Amen. It's good seeing everyone this morning. Um, always good to be in the presence of the Lord and just to worship corporally together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it's truly humbling and an honor to bring uh, a message before you today, uh, certainly on this day, Father's Day. Um, when we look at this country in which we live and just the world we live today, we are inundated with an abundance of choices. Inundated. We have a huge amount of choices today before us. Uh, we can turn on the TV and we have uh, the opportunity to choose what we want to watch, whatever time we want to watch it, uh, amongst the hundreds of channels that we have. Even adding to that, we can choose whatever type of TV we want to purchase to watch them on. You can purchase a 30-inch TV, 40-inch, 50-inch, 60-inch, 70-inch. Maybe that's not good enough. You can purchase an 80-inch TV. And you can then choose a plasma or projection TV or an LCD. Uh, we have other choices before us. We can choose what type of car we want, what color we want, red, black, blue, white, whether we want that to be an SUV, a car, truck, maybe we want it to be a hybrid, electric, gas, and we won't even go into the cell phones, 3G, 4G, before long it'll be 5G. So we have abundance of choices before us, so many choices that we can choose from. We even find ourselves in this day and time in which many believe that when it comes to abortion, it's a woman's choice. Choices make us seem free. Choices give us freedom. But with that freedom comes the responsibility that goes along with it. While we do have more choices than at any other time in history, man has many more choices than any other time in history, uh, some, there are some things that we don't get to choose for ourselves. There are some things that God and God alone retains for himself that he and he alone has the authority to choose. We don't get to choose how, ho how hot it's going to be outside or how cold or how rainy it's going to be outside. We can't control that. We don't get to control who we're going to be born to, when we're going to be born, what country we're going to be born in. God and God alone retains the authority to choose that for us. All these things, these many choices that we have, these things are life-defining, the choices that we have. Some of us, we can't choose, well, we can't choose how tall or how short we are. Amen? Uh, we can't choose whether we're going to have great hair like Minister Bishop or Pastor Jamal. You might be stuck with, like me. Amen? Many of these things are life-defining moments, but yet we have no choice in the matter of how they turn out. But yet, there are still some things, there's one thing that's even more important than those things, and that is who we choose to serve. Who we choose to serve is more important than who we're born to, or when we're born, or where we're born. Uh, who we choose to serve is more important than all of these things. Nothing will have more of an impact on our life now and the life to come, the afterlife, more than who we choose to serve today. Is our life devoted to serving God or is our life devoted to serving ourselves or someone else? And that's the question that is before us today. God is asking each of us to choose who we will serve. Who we're going to serve. Given that it's Father's Day, I, I think it's fitting to speak on the topic of a father worth serving. A father worth serving. And we have a lot of fathers in our presence today and praise God for them. But there's truly one father above all that is worth serving. Who is worth our time. I want us to look at how we can live a life devoted to serving God. So if you will, stand to your feet, and, and if you will, let's look at Joshua this morning. Joshua chapter 24. 
We're just going to read a, a couple of verses, verse 15, 14 and 15. Uh, but we will kind of be looking at multiple, a lot of areas throughout that particular chapter. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And the word of the Lord reads, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Let everyone have a blessing upon the reading and hearing of God's word. Amen. We have in this particular passage, Joshua, a man who has been faithful to God. You will be hard-pressed to find many people who are as faithful to God than Joshua himself. He was a faithful servant to God. He was a faithful servant under the discipleship of Moses. And he was faithful to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, into Canaan, in spite of a lot of opposition. But he was faithful to to lead them into the promised land. And now Joshua finds himself here. He's about 110 years old. So Joshua understands and Joshua knows that his race is about coming to is coming to an end. God is about ready to call him home. Because he has been faithful. But before he does, he delivers a message to the people that challenges them and calls them to 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 choose whom they're going to serve. Joshua could have picked any other message, but he he draws a line in the sand and he says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. The choice is a challenge for them to renew their covenant in the land of Shechem. Shechem was the land also in which God first met Abraham when he entered into the land of Canaan. And so it's fitting that Joshua would also call the people together. He calls all of Israel together and he, he, he calls them and challenges them to, to renew their covenant to God, to pick that day whom they're going to serve. And why is that? Because Joshua knew that there was a temptation for the people to revert back to the ways of their forefathers. He knew there was a great temptation for them to to slowly start to resort back to the ways of their forefathers. And I I think the same message lies before us today. That temptation for us to resort back to doing things the way maybe some of our forefathers used to do. And so Joshua lays this out before them and he says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. With so many choices before us today, we must choose who we're going to have devotion to. Like Israel, it's not that we won't serve God, but the temptation exists for us to try to serve God in addition to serving other things. And so God is saying you need to pick and choose who you're going to serve, who you're going to give glory to. And so we see Joshua laying this out before them in verse 14. Joshua tells them, he first, he first starts out, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. I like how he starts out with the two words, fear and serve. They go together. Fear and serve complement each other. Fear and serve go together just about like grace and mercy go together. Like holy and righteousness go together. Fear and serve go together like Jesus and glory. You, you can't separate the two. They go together, and that's why Joshua picks those two words. He, you, you can't serve the Lord faithfully unless you fear the Lord. I hope you understand it. You can't serve the Lord faithfully unless you fear the Lord. You just can't do it. Now, when he says fear, he's not talking about someone who's afraid of God, afraid of approaching God. But it's talking about someone who has a, a respectful awe of God. You, you know what God can do. You know who God is, and so you've got that all about God. 
It's to, it's to reverence who God is. And so he's saying you, you need to fear God. And, and if you fear God, then you're going to serve God. It's, it's automatic. You're going you're gonna to serve God if you fear God. Wherever you find someone who doesn't fear the Lord, you will find someone who is not serving the Lord. For this reason, Joshua starts out and he says, fear and serve. First of all, I think it's important for us to understand what is meant by the word serve. Sometimes serve is looked at and it can also mean what it is you're worshiping. But also we can look at it and, and I like to think of it as, as, as what are you living for? Or who are you living for to keep it plain? In, in the hood, they may say, who are you, who you represent? Who are you living for? And, and that's what Joshua uh, is, 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 is challenging the people today. He's saying, are, are you living for God or are you living for something else? Are you living for God or are you living for this world? And some people are stuck between trying to live for God and trying to live for the world. Trying to live for God and trying to live for the world and it won't work. We can't live for God and live for the world. You'll be torn between trying to serve one or trying to serve the other. It just can't work. The Apostle John makes it clear in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. He says, for everything that is, he says, he says that uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for the For the things of the world, the the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the boasting in what he has and what he's done. He says those things don't come from God. He says they come from the world. So he he, he cautions us. So how do we know if we're we're serving God? How do we know that we're faithful in serving the God? I think we we can, you can ask yourself a simple question to know whom you're serving. And that is, how, how, how much of your time is spent on yourself? Or how much of your time, your energy, your effort, all that you do, how much of that is spent on serving God or, or for, the, for the kingdom of God? Or how much of what you do is for you? Think about it. How much of what you do, how much of what I do is for me throughout my day, throughout my week? And that should challenge us. It should challenge us and and cause us to look at and examine, are we giving up anything of significance for the Lord? We all have to make a choice who we're going to serve. And and there are a number of things Joshua helps us to think about if we're going to live a life devoted to serving God. And so I want to look through this particular passage and and highlight a few things that I think will help us to, to fix our minds on how we can live a life devoted to serving God. One of the things that Joshua points out here, and again in verse 14, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Stop at that word now, because that's a key word. Now, it's a small word, but that's a key word. Because what Joshua is saying there, he said, if we just stop right there on now, Joshua doesn't just say just fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. He says now, and so that now says you need to go back, and you need to look at what argument I've made before now, and this also helps to support why you are to fear and to serve the Lord with faithfulness. And what's the first thing he's helping us to see? He's telling us that the choice to serve the Lord, first of all, requires that we go back, that we consider the goodness of the Lord. He says that's the first thing you need to do. If you're going to serve the Lord faithfully, you need to go back and consider the goodness of the Lord. So, and that's what he does in verse 20, in chapter 24, Verses 1 through 13, that's all Joshua is doing. He's pointing out the goodness of the Lord. He's highlighting the goodness of the Lord. And what he's saying there in highlighting the goodness of the Lord, he makes the argument that God is too good not to serve. That's exactly what he's saying. He lays this all out before the people of Israel. And he says, after you look at this, God is too good not to serve. And one of the things he points out to them, that we see here in chapter 24, he starts in verse 2 and 3, he says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. Stop there. Because what he's telling us is that your blessing and the goodness of the Lord didn't start with you. 
you're, you're benefiting from what God done, has done 700 years ago when Abraham started to come on the scene. So he says, you need to look back and see what God did 700 years ago, and you're benefiting from that goodness today. He says, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, check it out, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, Abraham would still be in, he would still be in polytheistic worship. He would still be worshiping foreign gods. If it wasn't for the goodness of God, your forefathers would still be worshiping God. But because God brought him out of that, that environment of pagan worship, he says, for that reason, you are where you are today. And the same could be said for us. We look back and, and, and many of you can testify, God brought you out of an environment or a household where God was not revered or worshipped. They, you, you grew up in a household where God's name wasn't mentioned, but somehow God called you out of that household and says, you will worship me. I mean, it's not that your parents were taking you to church every day because you didn't know what church was. But you know, because God said, I'm going to have you worship and serve me. And he pulled you out of that. So he says, that in order for you to know how to serve me and serve me faithfully, look back at what I've done in your family. Don't look at when you were born, but look back at what happened long ago. And that's what he's telling the children of Israel. He says, go back 700 years. He says, don't look now. You're shorting God. You're cheating God by just starting now. God's goodness didn't start now. And even more for those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, he says, your, your blessing, your goodness, the goodness of the Lord didn't just start now. Don't look at now, but look at 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ incarnate Jesus Christ, God himself, said, I'm going to take on the, I'm going to put on the flesh, I'm going to come down to your level, and I'm going to rescue you, I'm going to redeem you from sin. So he says, 2,000 years ago, that's not when God's goodness started, but that's when he, he made it, he manifested it, so that we would know, we could see for ourselves. So he says, look back, he doesn't even start, he doesn't even stop there, Joshua doesn't start there, stop there with looking at Abraham, he says, okay, now, it started with Abraham, but then you all were in bondage, you all were in slavery to the Egyptians for 400 years. And he says, what did God do? God brought you out of that slavery at that point. Tell me God is not good, because you all were in an environment, again, where you all were worshiping, probably centered around the Egyptian gods, you were thinking about the Egyptian gods. And you all were in that particular environment in bondage. And he said, God brought you out of that. And the same with us today. Those who have given their life to Jesus Christ, he says, look back at what God brought you out of, out of a, out of a life of bondage. First and foremost, out of the bondage of sin, God brought you out of that. You're no longer a prisoner of sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. He says, God brought you out of that. So don't go back to it. He says, don't go back to that environment in which God brought you out of. So Joshua highlights the fact that God is good because of what he did and started in, in, in your forefathers with Abraham, brought him out of an environment of polytheistic worship, worshiping multiple gods, and he brought you out of that so that you may know the one true and only God. He says, that's when the goodness began. But then he also brought you out of bondage, out of slavery, and he doesn't stop there. He says, you all were in the desert roaming around for 40 years, and you weren't the best of people. You weren't, it wasn't like Israel was very militaristic. So they couldn't protect themselves. God brings them out of Egypt into the desert, but God sustained them for all that time. He says, don't forget that God brought water from the rock. He caused manna to come down so that you would have something to eat. And so he says, God sustained you. And many people today, you can relate. You in your life are in a season of drought. There's, there's some discouraging things that may be happening in your family or in your life. And you have found yourself in a season or a period of drought for quite some time. And you're wondering if God has is, is left you or if God has forsaken you or if you're doing maybe something wrong. And God is telling us that even in the midst of your drought, you can be a green leaf in drought because God is the living water. He will sustain you just as he sustained Israel. He's saying, look, he says, go back and look at all the goodness of the Lord. And then that's where Joshua picks up in verse, verse 14. He says, now. Now that I've laid all that out, 
<laughs> says, now that I've laid all that out, I, I, I've shown you the goodness of the Lord. He's convinced there's, I mean, there's no other reason you would choose anybody else other than God. Why would you do that? I mean, after I laid all this out before you, I mean, you'd be crazy not to, loot, not to choose God. So that's how Joshua can be bold and say, hey, choose this day whom you're going to serve. So he says, now, now that I've gotten that out of the way, now that I've shown you the goodness of the Lord, and in order for you to serve the Lord, you need to consider the goodness of the Lord. He says, now that you know that, he says, he see, he goes on and he says that you also, in order to serve God faithfully, you also need, it requires that we get rid of some things. It requires that we get rid of some things. If we're going to serve the Lord faithfully, you're going to have to get rid of some things. There are some things that we're holding on to that we're not wanting to give up. Not willing to give up. And God says, you can't have all of me until you get rid of, of some of the things that you got. You're trying to have both. God and our things. We see Joshua pointing that out in verse 14. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worship beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So what's Joshua telling us there? He's, first of all, he's saying that after Joshua lays out the goodness of the Lord, he says God's goodness deserves a response. That's what he says. Because God is who he is and because God has done what, he, what he's done, it, desi- it deserves a response from you. And he says that response is to throw away the gods of your forefathers. To get rid of them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12. says everything is permissible but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible but I will not be mastered by anything. And how does that relate? Because Joshua, what Joshua told the people, he told the people to throw away the gods that their forefathers worshipped. Because eventually they would become slaves to them. He knew it was a matter of time that they would become slaves to them. So he's telling them, he says, don't become mastered by those things. Don't become mastered. Don't go into slavery again like you did before. And we can look at that in our families today. There are some things that have been passed down from generation to generation in our families that God is saying you need to get rid of. It needs to stop with you. There have been some things that have been passed down. There's been alcohol that's been passed down. There's been drugs that have been passed down. There's been sexual things outside of marriage that have been passed down. And and what Joshua is challenging them and challenging us is to say, it stops with me. I'm going to choose this day whom I'm going to serve. It's not just the material things. He's saying it's the psychological things that have been passed down from generation to generation doing the same thing. Why are you doing that? Because my father did that generation to generation. He says, you got to get rid of it. you got to throw it away. I, re- I re- remember there was, um, there, was a, there was a picture that uh, I took, took uh, ownership of. It, it was been in, been in our family. Um, and if many of you, many of you uh, have, have know, known about the show Good Times, right? Good Times. And you know, if you've seen Good Times, there's a picture. There's one specific picture that they show, that J.J. did, it's supposed to be people having a good time, right? And the picture that, that I had is, 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 is just like that. I mean, they're, ha- they're having what's considered a good time. They're in the club. You see some people's heads on the table. You see people mingling with women, dancing. I mean, they're supposed to be having a good time. And... I was sitting there looking at that one day because it was on my wall, and I was like, why do I have that hanging on my wall? (laughs) I mean, it's good art. It looks good. But I'm like, why do I have that hanging on my wall? And, you know, I could have wrote it off and be like, ah, you know, that's no big deal, you know, just a picture, right? But I had to challenge myself and say, you know, look, I have to, I have to look and say, okay, that may be a stumbling block for somebody. I, I don't know. I, I was confident in who I was, but I said, I have to maybe get rid of some things that may be passed down. And that's just a small example, but we in our homes, we have things that have been passed down, passed down from time to time, and we need to throw them away. God is saying, get rid of them. 
if it's not for the glory of God, if it's not any good, if it's not beneficial, you know, he said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That's what Paul said. He's saying that there's a lot of things that you can do. It's not like you're not going to, you're not going to go to heaven if you don't do them, but he's like, everything is, 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 is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And so there's some things that we pass down to our children. Year after year, generation after generation, we pass them down. Because it never stops with us. Because we never throw it away. Now what is, partic- what is peculiar here, where Joshua says for them to throw away these gods, what is peculiar is that you really don't see in Joshua, where you don't see any indication in the book of Joshua where the people are worshiping other gods. You don't see it. You, it, you would get the indication that they were faithful to God. You don't see like, like their forefathers did at Mount Sinai where they were making a golden calf or anything like that. You would, you would get the indication that they have been faithful all the way through these 24 chapters of Joshua. In fact, Joshua says in chapter 23, verse 8, he says, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. He says, as you have until now, you've been faithful, you've been holding fast to the Lord up until now. And so that gives me the indication. I'm thinking, okay, well, it seems like they've been pretty faithful up to this point. So what's Joshua telling us? I think what Joshua's saying is, he's saying that apparently there was some among them who had some idols hidden away. They had some relics that they have kept. Some things that, you know, because it was their fathers or their mothers, I'm going to hold on to this. I don't want to throw this away because it belongs in my family. It's in my family. And so they were kind of holding on maybe to these things. They may have been holding on to some idols that their forefathers had made, but they said, because my father made it, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to hold on to it. So maybe they weren't worshiping it. I don't think they were worshiping the idols, but they were holding on to them. And Joshua knew this. And Joshua was telling them to choose whom they're going to serve because he knew that those idols would eventually become a stumbling block for them. It would eventually trap them. So Joshua was demanding that they bury these relics lest they fall into temptation and begin worshiping them. Maybe they were holding on to these idols just in case things didn't work out with God. There's some just-in-case in people's closets right now. Some just-in-case idols. You're not necessarily worshiping it, but it's there just in case. Just in case the Lord doesn't come through as he promised. You may be faithful at attending worship service, Sunday school. You're faithful at maybe studying your Bible, but no one but God and God alone knows that you have a just-in-case. There are some people who are holding on to some ungodly relationships, some relationships that God did not ordain himself, relationships that are unequally yoked, some relationships outside of marriage. There are some people holding on to those relationships just in case God doesn't send somebody who's more godly your way. I'm getting a little bit older. I I need to have somebody close to me. And God ain't come through yet, so I got to hold on to this person because I don't know if he's going to send somebody my way, so I got to hold on to him just in case. Just in case. I'm not going to go back to it, but just in case is that some people are holding on to their money so tight, not willing to give it up to the Lord, not willing to give it up to the poor that God has called us to, but they hold on to it just in case the economy goes south, They lose their job or whatever it may be. So they're just in case. Someone might still be pursuing a lifestyle centered around pleasure and comfort. Just in case this thing with God doesn't work out. I'm here to tell you, there may be some who are serving God, not because they believe what Jesus said is true, But just in case what Jesus said is true, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Some of them are serving God, not because they believe what Jesus Christ said is true, but just in case 
It's true. So I'm going to come to church just in case. It is what it is. I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to come to church every Sunday. I'm not going to give any more than that, but I'm going to come. Because just in case he comes back, I'm in that fold. I'm there. Just in case. If we're stuck on just in case, we will always be torn between serving the Lord and serving other things outside of the will of the Lord. Always. And so that's the reason why Joshua is so adamant about the people of Israel and throwing away those things because he knows eventually they're going to stumble across it. It's going to become a trap for them. It's going to become a trap. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. God desires that we serve him with assurance. And those who are serving with a just-in-case mentality aren't serving with assurance. Assurance that he, he is who he claims he is and that he will do what he says he was going to do. If we don't have that assurance that God is who he claims he is or he will do what he says he will do, we will always have something as insurance. We will always be serving with a just-in-case as insurance. Insurance just in case something doesn't happen the way that we had intended for it to happen. If not, not too long ago, we all had uh, a hailstorm kind of come through the area. And if you're like me, I had to have my roof on my house replaced. <clears throat> and praise God for insurance. Amen? Praise God for insurance where you can just call up and you can say, okay, my roof is damaged and I need to get it replaced and it gets taken care of with no problem. So praise God for insurance. But insurance is good, but it's not going to work in the kingdom of God. You can't serve God with a, a mentality of, 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 of insurance. Insurance is good except for in that kingdom of, of God living. God is not in the business of giving insurance. He gives assurance. There's a big difference. He doesn't give insurance. He gives assurance. You've heard the phrase, you know, God is my insurance from going from going, you know, going to heaven or not going to hell. God is not in the business of insurance. He gives assurance. And that's that's what he he's, that's what Joshua is trying to, to tell us and, and tell the people of Israel. When we serve with assurance, we are trusting in the promises of God. And the promises of God alone. We don't need something else just in case the Lord doesn't come through. Because the Lord always comes through. Even when it doesn't appear like the Lord comes through. The Lord comes through as long as we're just faithful to him. If he clothes the lilies and feeds the birds, how much more would he not do for those who trust in his son Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If Jesus calls us his brothers and his sisters and God calls us his sons, what would he not do for you? So we serve God with assurance. And so Joshua, again, is hammering the point. He says, if, if you're going to choose to serve God, if you're going to choose a life, live devoted to serving God, then you must throw some things away. And I, and I, I plead with you, I pray that you will look at your own life and look and see what things in your life are hindering you from serving God and serving God with faithfulness. Because God is not content with us being lukewarm. He's not content with us being lukewarm. If we're waiting for God to do something in our life today for motivation to serve him, then we're in trouble. Because God has already done the unthinkable. So if we're looking for some more motivation, why we need to serve the Lord today, if we're always searching for motivation on serving the Lord today, then you're already in trouble because you need to go back and look at what he's already done 2,000 years ago with sending his son, Jesus Christ. You know, he's already done enough. That's enough. So God's saying, I don't have to prove myself, first of all, because I'm God. 
Second of all, because I've already demonstrated my love to you, and I can't demonstrate it any more than I've already done. So, if we're going to live a life devoted to serving God, first of all, we must consider the goodness of God. Second of all, we must throw away some things. We must get rid of some things. We must get rid of those just-in-cases that we have. Thirdly, he's telling us that we, standing, to, to serve the Lord, it may require that we stand alone. It may require that we stand alone. That, that's what Joshua is pointing out here. If you look at verse 15, he says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then clothe for yourself, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Notice, notice Joshua. He puts the matter before Israel and he even puts a frame around it saying that if it seems evil to you, he says, then choose who you're going to serve. If it seems evil, that, now, the NIV translation has undesirable, but I like the ESV translation because it says evil, because that's what that Hebrew word is. It's evil. And so he says, if it seems evil to you, then choose the other gods. And, and what Joshua is letting us know here, it's nothing but evil if you choose anything but God. That's what the Bible calls it. It says whenever they see Israel worshiping other gods, and flirting with God and flirting with the world, they call it evil in the Bible. And so he's saying it's evil if you choose anything but God. And so he puts a frame around it saying that if you think it's evil, choose something else. And the same question is before us. If you think it's evil to live your life totally for Jesus, even though he was beaten and hung on a tree for you, then choose the, choose the world. God is like, I don't need, I don't need any of us. He says, I don't need you. I don't need Maceo. I don't need anybody. So he's saying, so choose this day whom you're going to serve. If you think it's evil to show the Lord that you love him by getting rid of your hidden idols, then choose the idols. That's what he's saying. Joshua says, says pick and choose who, you, who you're going to serve. Pick and choose. Joshua made a stand. Joshua made a, made a decision to stand alone. That's what he did in that particular verse. He says, but as for me and my household. See, Joshua didn't wait before they started to make their mind up what they were going to do. Joshua said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve the Lord. You do what you want to do. Now, Joshua didn't want, he wasn't, he wasn't trying to get them to do that. He, he, he didn't want them to serve other gods. But he says, but as for me, you go your way, or I go my way. And that's something we got to tell some folks sometimes. You do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you say you're going to wait until you're going to get married before you have sex, then they say, well, you know, I, I don't know about that. Well, you go your way and I go my way. Draw the line. I'm choosing who I'm going to serve. That's a, that's a life, that's a practical situation that many people go through. I ain't saying it's easy, but you say, look, hey, you go your way, so what? I mean, I, I got to do what I got to do. And so that's what, that's what Joshua is saying. He doesn't wait. And sometimes making that decision may, may seem like you're standing alone. It may, it may seem like you're like Elijah, who Elijah was on the run from Ahab and Jezebel. They were trying to kill him. And he's sitting up there like, Lord, just kill me. Just get rid of me. I'm the only one who's faithfully serving you. Everybody else, Israel's deserted you. They're worshiping other gods. Am I the only one who's looking like a fool out here? And God came to him. He says, look, wait a minute. He says, you're not the only one who's serving me. I've, I've saved 7,000 who haven't bowed down to bow. He says, so you're not the only one. So there are times when, we, and then when making that choice to serve the Lord, it may seem like we're making that choice. We do make that choice alone at times. But we're not alone because Jesus Christ is with us. But God demands that, that we choose between living for him or living for things of this world. You can't do both. I think that's the reason why sometimes the, the church, not necessarily here, but just the church in the, universally, why, 
why sometimes it's, it's so hindered because there's, there's, this, uh, there's this flirtation with the world and also with serving God. And it says you can't be, you, you can't be with Christ. You can't serve God and be of the world. You can't do it. You may stand alone in choosing to serve the Lord, but you're truly not alone. You're truly not alone. If God be for you, let everybody else be against you, and you still got the advantage. It may not look like it all the time. You tell Elijah that. Elijah was on the run. He said, man, it didn't look like I got the advantage, but I'm telling you, you got the advantage if the Lord is with you. Let everybody else be against you. Choose the Lord. I pray somebody chooses the Lord. Look at your life. Don't walk out of here the same way you walked in. Joshua saying, pick this day whom you're going to serve. If service to the Lord could be compared to water temperature, what would your temperature be? Would it be cold, lukewarm, or hot? If, if serving the Lord could be compared to, to the temperature of water, what would yours be? Now, of course, we always probably up it up a little scale more than where I'm sure God says it's at. But if we could pick and choose, where, where would it be? If we can look at our life and say, okay, how much of my life is devoted to living for God? And how much of my life is lived devoting to myself and my own desires? How much of my time is spent thinking about what I want, what I want to do, rather than what God wants me to do? How much of my time is spent living and sacrificing for God, giving up some things that I know I really want to have, but I got to give them up a little bit in order to serve God? How much of my life is spent doing those things as opposed to living for myself? And we know what, what Jesus said in Revelation 3.16. He says, because you're neither hot or cold, he said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He says, you, you, because you're lukewarm. It confuses the world. That's what it does. Because they're like, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know exactly what a Christian should look like. So it confuses them. And so Joshua saying, choose this day whom you're going to serve. The choice to serve the Lord may require that we stand alone. It may require that we stand alone, but it impacts many people when we do choose to serve the Lord. Think about Abraham. I know it was only because God chose Abraham that Abraham chose God. I know this. But just think about how the Israelites would have been if Abraham had not chose to serve the Lord. The generations that would have been impacted. One man saying, I'm going to serve the Lord. It only takes one person. And so that message also goes out to our, 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 the fathers here today. I know that, 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 that you know, I must choose God alone, as a father, I need to choose God for myself. And not just as a father, everybody is called. They got to choose God themselves. No one else can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. Praise God for those men, those fathers who have made the choice to serve God. And they've done it and they've, they've, done, they've been faithful at rearing their kids in fear and admonition of the Lord. They've chosen to, to stand alone if, if standing alone is what it calls because they know that serving God is the greatest good. Praise God for those men. You're not just content with raising your kids and saying that I've raised my kids. I've been responsible to pay for, for everything that they need. God doesn't just call Christian men just to, be, just to raise their, their kids. He says raise them in fear and admonition of the Lord. So he says don't just do it any kind of way. He says, raise them so that they know who I am. And so that's what, what he calls us to do, to raise our children, raise our kids. Not to say, okay, we brought them to church, but say outside of church, what am I doing so that my kids can see that daddy truly is worshiping and serving the Lord? If I know I bring something to dad, that I know his response is going to be through the filter, through the lens of the Bible. He's not going to give me a worldly viewpoint. He's going to give me a response that I know is Christ-centered. And he might not be the most biblical person, but he said, look, you know, I, I may not know it all, but I think God said somewhere in his Bible this. I think he said this. 
I think I've read this somewhere, and I'm going to look it up and make sure that's true. I'm going to ask somebody. But you're not just giving them worldly advice. There, a few years back, right after Jocelyn and I had gotten married, we were going to church regularly. We were attending church faithfully. In the, in the Bible, we were in God's word and uh, coming to church regularly. And, and then not long out, not too long after that, we, we stopped going just for some, you know, we stopped, stopped going. And one Sunday became two Sundays, two Sundays became two months, two months became two years. And before you know it, we weren't serving God. And I was more content with what was happening on Sunday morning, NFL pregame show than anything else. And it's sad. But there, there became a point where God arrested my heart and he says, look, he says, you got to choose who you want to serve. He says, either you're going to choose me or you're going to choose the things of this world. And I knew as, as the head of my household, of course, I, ha- I can bring my kids back because they were younger. I, I had that responsibility. But I, my wife and I, I had to choose myself what I was going to do. It wasn't a matter of me going to, to my wife or my wife coming to me and saying, do you want to go to church or do you want to, you want to start serving the Lord and saying, no, nah, I ain't feeling it right now. Okay. I had to choose for myself. And I had to say, I, I, love, I love my wife. I want my wife to come, but I need to serve God and I need to lead by example as the head of my household. And so that's an individual choice. It's a choice that you have to stand alone at times. And each and every one of us have to make that choice. We have to choose who we're going to serve. Because it doesn't just impact you, but it impacts the generations to follow. It impacts the generations to follow. And and nothing that no one has done impacts us more than what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross impacts every one of us more than anything that we'll ever do. Because Jesus Christ was faithful to God, because Jesus Christ was faithful and humbled himself and came down and said, I'm going to walk this dusty road. I'm going to spend times where I don't know where I'm going to lay my head, but I'm going to do that. Because I love you. Not because he, he, he's expecting for us to do anything in return, but because he loves us. And so Jesus Christ, his, what he did on the cross some 2,000 years ago impacts you today. And that goes back to what Joshua said. Don't look at, if you're going to serve the Lord, you, you have to start with what he did centuries ago. Not now. Don't just be grateful looking at God now and saying, Lord, thank you for the things that you've blessed me with. Thank you for the car that I've got. Thank you for the job that I've got. Those things are good. We want to thank God for those things. But don't just end there. Say, thank you, Lord, for the blessings you have have made for me in, in, in dying on the cross for me. Because if it wasn't for Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and me, we wouldn't be able to choose the Father. We wouldn't know who the Father is. It's only because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that we can even choose to serve who serve God. We saw that in our scripture reading this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, right? He chose the foolish things to shame the wise. He chose the weak things to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things to nullify those things that are not. And so God chose, that's, that's all of us, if anybody don't know, that's all of us. Foolish, he chose the foolish things to shame the wise. And so God is calling us, in, to, to cause, calling us to serve him and serve him faithfully. But before we serve God faithfully, you got to give your life to Jesus Christ. You got to profess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he, he, he did die on the cross for your sins, and that he rose again on that third day, and that he's, at, he's in heaven right now interceding for your, for your behalf on the right-hand side of God. And God is calling you not only to just know this and to believe this, but to repent of the way you're going and to turn to him. 
So at repentance, turning from the world, turning from the things that you used to do and seeking God and living for God. That's what he's calling for us to do this this day. That's what Joshua's challenge is before Israel. He says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. And I challenge each and every one of you here today, if you're not serving the Lord today, if you're not serving him, if you know you have not been faithful in serving the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Because God is faithful. He's worthy to be served. And no one and no one else is deserving of your time, of your, of your effort, of your life than the one who gave his life for you and for me. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father, our God, we, we want to just thank you, Lord, for you truly have been good to us, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you will forgive us for all those times in which we did not reflect and consider on how good you have been to us. Those times when we have flirted with the world and, and chose our own desires and our own pathway at the expense of loving you as you deserve to be loved. I pray, Father God, that you, Lord, may move in the heart of someone here this day. Lord, I pray, touch the hearts of anyone who is not serving you, Lord. Call us, Lord, to a life devoted to serving you and you alone. That we will know that there's nothing in this world that is better than serving you. And that to choose the things of this world is sure evil in your eyes. And so I pray, Father God, that you will move in the heart of someone here today, that they may come to know Jesus Christ, and they may come to know that in Jesus Christ there is true life. We thank you and we praise you for choosing us, for you being gracious and merciful in electing and choosing us to serve you, to worship and to fellowship with a God such as yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 We open the doors of the church at this time. and.